Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. Pfizer's COVID antiviral drug Paxlovid has been leaving a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. It's a side effect of the drug called dysgeusia that people say tastes like a mouthful of dirty pennies or even rotten milk. For more on what to know about Paxlovid mouth and possible remedies, we'll speak to Alex Janin, personal health reporter at the Wall Street Journal. The medical term for this side effect is called dysgeusia. And as you said, Pfizer says it occurs about 5% of the time. Doctors I spoke to say it's probably around 10 to 15% of the time, if not higher. If you ask anyone who's experienced the side effect from Paxlovid, they say it feels like it happens to everybody. <laughs> yeah. um, so it depends who you ask. What causes it? So Paxlovid, the drug, is a compound of two drugs. If you take it, you'll see actually it's three pills per dose, one tablet of ritonavir. And ritonavir is the likely culprit of the dyskusia side effect. It's a drug that's used to boost levels of antiviral medicine. So it's used in other medications as well. It has been linked to dyskusia before. So that's probably where the bad taste is coming from. And when you say bad, it really runs the gamut from for some people, you know, it's just a little bit unpleasant. It lasts for about five days and they can still eat and drink normally. Other people, it wakes them up from sleep. They can't eat anything. It causes, in some cases, extreme nausea and vomiting. Doctors I spoke with uh, recommended a few things. The first was you can actually coat your mouth with something like milk or peanut butter, something sort of high in fat. Take a spoonful of peanut butter or a sip of milk before you take your dose. And then after you take it uh, and do that every time you take a dose. Another recommendation, cinnamon candy or cinnamon gum. Cinnamon candy, you know, like red hot, something that's strong and overpowering can sort of almost numb the mouth a little bit, can overpower that taste. The benefit of gum, too, is that it flushes the saliva out. It's, it stimulates saliva production and, and flushes the mouth out, which can help with dryness something you really want to avoid if you're experiencing this side effect. You want to keep the mouth moist and you want to have your saliva going so that you're flushing out the mouth. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting situation, just anecdotally, right? Every person that I know that have taken has taken the Paxlovid, they've all said they they went through some form of this. So you're right, mm-hmm. it could be, that number could be a lot higher than what they're reporting. And, uh, you know, they also say, you know, take things that could uh, bind to the mouth's uh, taste receptors a little mm-hmm. bit better. That could be helping. So lozenges and mints could also help. But people are, 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 you know, frustrated with it. They're turning to the internet. People have said pineapple, you know, whatever can help do it. But doctors still recommend, uh, you know, because it's gotten so bad for some people that they say, well, maybe I want to stop taking this. I, I don't want to go through the full course because it's so just so frustrating. And doctors recommend not doing that unless it's something where you can't keep it down or whatnot. You know, you should take it. There's even people that are trying to crush it up and take it with uh, like a milkshake or something. They say, don't even do that. Right. Definitely don't stop taking it, they say, unless you're having some sort of allergic reaction or you are vomiting so much that even anti-nausea medication can't help you. Stopping the course may increase your risk for a rebound infection and nobody wants that. And absolutely, absolutely do not crush it. This is something I learned that I hadn't known before I started reporting this piece. But somebody that I spoke to for the article, she actually has trouble swallowing pills due to a condition. So she ended up not being able to take the course at all. But in an attempt to take the medication, she crushed it up. First, tried to drink it with water and immediately gagged and couldn't even swallow it. And then she tried again in a smoothie and the taste was so bad and so overpowering that she couldn't get more of a more than a few sips down. So take it whole, take it with something (laughs) like peanut butter and milk and finish the whole course. And Pfizer's acknowledged all of this. I guess they said that they're going to try to develop a different formulation for people who can't take large pills, things like that. So they're working on some other alternative, I guess. That's right. Yeah, they wouldn't elaborate much beyond that when I pressed them on it. But they did say that they're working on another formulation that will be easier for people to swallow. Alex Janin, personal health reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. In entertainment news, the Flash star Ezra Miller has released a statement saying that they are seeking treatment for complex mental health issues. Miller has been in the news recently for all the wrong reasons, as they have faced a series of legal issues and assault and abuse allegations. Warner Brothers has spent $200 million on the movie so far, and it looks like they remain committed to a theatrical release in 2023. For more on whether all this will be enough to squash Miller's PR mess, we'll speak to Brett Lang, executive editor at Variety. This is a uh, acknowledgement that that something needed to happen. Miller, who is a you know extremely talented actor, was a star on the rise and had gotten some really fantastic reviews for their work as The Flash in the Justice League films, and and now was kind of prepared to step into a whole new level of stardom with their own standalone film, The Flash. And it's a two hundred million dollar comic book movie. That Warner Brothers is very high on. They've been testing it. it. It scores very well. But the problem is that Miller's off-screen behavior is threatening to overshadow their on-screen work because they've had a series of sort of legal issues and assault and abuse allegations. And people within their circle were growing increasingly concerned about this behavior. But I think there's a little bit more hopefulness because Miller appears to have acknowledged that they are experiencing some complex mental health issues and they have taken the step of of actually beginning treatment. 
You know, just uh, in the current climate that we're in, obviously, right, when somebody does something bad right away, there's calls for people to be fired, all that kind of thing. And what I'd been seeing around all over the place, social media, even, uh, you know, writers to various publications were saying, like, how could Warner Brothers even move forward with this movie, considering all the stuff that was going on. So there was a lot, I'm sure, obviously, a lot of conversations they were having behind the scenes at Warner Brothers of what to do. And we recently heard that they had, you know, come up with possibly three options. One would be scrapping the movie altogether. One would be choosing to release the film, but maybe not having Miller do any press. And uh, the, the best option would be have the actor go to some counseling, maybe do an interview to explain some of the behavior. I mean, this kind of seems like what is what's happening now, but really just a lot of pressure on Warner Brothers with such a huge movie for them. You're totally right. And those are uh, definitely the choices that Warner Brothers was facing. I mean, I think that in the first instance, scrapping the movie would be a very complicated process or reshooting it. I've seen people suggest that maybe they could reshoot it with another actor as The Flash. Well, unfortunately, Miller is in almost every scene of this film. So you basically have to reshoot a $200 million film. And, you know, maybe you could get a tax write-off, but it's basically a wash at that point if you just sort of threw the film out. And then I know you were also sort of mentioned the the option of Miller doing some kind of interview and explaining what they were going through that, that led them to this very, very troubling behavior. I don't get the sense that Miller is in a place where that is a feasible option. I think they need to really get some help here. And it sounds like this is the beginning of that process. From the statement that they provided... They said, I'm committed to doing the necessary work to get back to a healthy, safe and productive stage in my life. You know, considering all the stuff that's been going on, is something like that enough? The movie wouldn't release until next year. I mean, there's a lot of time of things that could happen. They would really have to hunker down and have no problems, no issues. And even still, you know, like I said, just the the rumblings of what I heard, people are pretty upset about how far they're willing to go with this. You know, would there even be support for the actor, for the movie, even if they go through treatment. That's sort of beyond what any of us know at this point, right? I think, obviously, there are are reasons why people behave in certain ways. That does not mean that they are not responsible for their actions. And in fact, uh, Miller is facing some legal challenges related to incidents in Vermont. And, you know, if Miller has another incident and there was a sort of an escalating series of these, who knows? But I think at this point, people close to Miller and the studio feel good that at least they are acknowledging they need help and they are taking a step to get that help. Whether that's enough for their career to kind of resume at the level it was before these incidents, I have no idea. That's ultimately Uh, how the general public will respond, how Miller responds to therapy and how they explain their actions and, you know, offer some sort of contrition. Brent Lang, executive editor at Variety. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so... 
there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally for this week, stick shift cars may soon be a thing of the past. Of the hundreds of new car models for sale in 2022, only 30 can be purchased with a manual transmission. A couple of reasons why the manual is on its way out is that new car technology has become too good and the rise of electric vehicles, which have no gearboxes, continue to push them out. For more on the end of the manual transmission, we'll speak to Ian Bogost, contributing writer at The Atlantic. You know, people have been lamenting the supposed end of the stick shift for decades. And the difference now is that it's actually happening. <laughs> right. And, you know, like, because for a long, especially in, in, in America, uh, people just drove automatics. It was one of the things that characterized American driving versus European or, or, or South American or even Canadian um, automobiles. And there's always been this kind of like, oh, you know, it's not really dying or you're just being, you know, a snob about it or whatever. Um, but what's changed is uh, electric cars and um, electric vehicles. They don't have a gearbox. Uh, they generally don't have multiple speeds. It's, it's just a motor. Um, that, that rotates the axle and you get instant torque. It's a lot of fun to drive. And, and because of that, uh, shifting at all, never mind manual or automatic, just not necessary. So with the pressure of the electric vehicle changeover happening, we're now seeing more and more manufacturers, including big global ones, Mercedes-Benz, Volkswagen, announcing plans to drop the manual, not to manufacture it at all, globally you know and this is one thing that you know people have been kind of trying to chat to me on social media today saying well you should come to europe and there's a lot of um manual transmission cars on the road now but they really aren't going to be starting almost instantly you know uh so that's that's kind of what's happening that's where we're at we're finally at the end of the line for for new stick shifts just a little bit more on myself right now. My car is currently in the shop. I've been driving a rental for the past month, and it's <laughs> an automatic. So in some cases, I do appreciate, you know, not that, you know, when you're in traffic, not having to always constantly work the clutch and everything. I do like that a little bit, but I miss my car. And what a lot of people say, too, when, you know, that feeling of driving that car, that feeling of actually operating a machine you write a lot about that and that this is kind of a proxy for larger things that are going on yeah. in society yeah. but but we're losing that connection with things with controlling machines and whatnot yeah i think there are there are two things that interest me here one is is just that it's a lot of fun uh, to drive a manual uh, a transmission um 
And that's one of the things people love uh, about it. Once you know how to do it, uh, you have greater control of the vehicle. You can keep it in gear. You can downshift and pass. Uh, you can use engine braking. You do all sorts of things. But more interesting to me with, with this moment in time where the manual is is um, going extinct is the kind of symbolism of, of a device like this. You know, it's, a, it's an apparatus, a mechanical apparatus where you actually move the, the gearbox around and it doesn't give you like visual feedback, right? It's all about the feel of the car, the car communicating with you. And even if you're an expert at it or you think that you're an expert at it, there's still moments when, you know, your hand shifts, the gears grind, you're not quite <laughs> sure if you have the torque. And that conversation between you, a, a human operator and a machine, I, fe- I feel like that's special. And the manual transmission automobile is like uh, a kind of once ubiquitous symbol for it. And that's that's a, that's a loss that's greater than just the automobile itself. It's like think of all the things that you kind of can't control anymore. You know, you you go into the, you know, the 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 restroom at uh, uh, at the office and it, it flushes for you, right? You're not even competent <laughs> right. to, to do that, or um, or when you're driving, you know, and you want to decide where to go, you just kind of punch it in on the map, or you look at the map and the map tells you, oh, this is an interesting place to go. This is where you should get coffee today, and then it tells you how to get there. There's all you know manner of those sorts of, of examples in the world now, where we've ceded controlled automation uh, or to kind of computer controlled uh, apparatuses, and so I think the this 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 is like a last vestige of uh, of mechanical control. Going back to that point when you said uh, how connected we are, when you grind those gears, you know your hand slips, like it hurts. It hurts you <laughs> as a physical person. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah. man, my baby right here. And then looking towards the future, right? So right now we're losing this one part, the the manual transmission, but we're staring down the line at uh, autonomous vehicles, fully right. autonomous vehicles. Will probably take a long time still, as you note in the article, but. What are we going to lose next? We'll probably lose the steering wheel. If, you know, once things really get dialed in, and so little by little, we're we're losing even more control over those things. Yeah, and you know, it's complicated because you know one of the one of the reasons we're we're losing the the stick shift is because the gasoline engine, the internal combustion engine, is is going away, and and that's actually a good thing. We'll, we'll get over it. We we need to do it. Uh, it's for the best. But as we start to cede more of that control to automation, you imagine that you get in a vehicle that's operated by some big tech company like Uber uh, or Google, and they kind of decide how it works, you know, and maybe where you can go or um, how often or what you have to pay to do so or, or how you know where you are. I mean, those all seem like kind of fanciful, maybe preposterous ideas. Um, but we see more and more of those actually come uh, uh, to fruition. I saw on the internet somewhere somebody linked to like a, a patent uh, filing for an autonomous hypothetical. It was a Ford uh, patent for like an autonomous vehicle that could tell people trying to cross the street, hey, my autonomous vehicle, it's not going to stop. So please don't cross at this crosswalk (laughs) uh, right now. (laughs) So we kind of don't know what's coming. We know where we've been and we sort of know the the direction that we're going in if you want, but not what's over the horizon. Reading your write-up on all of this just uh, started bringing back a ton of memories and some of the reasons why I do love driving a manual transmission car. Parts of this almost kind of like a little love letter to it, right? And uh, you yeah. mentioned, you know, you can push start a manual if the battery dies. I've uh, can I, you know, I've had specific memories in my mind where I was stuck. My car just gave out on me, you know, uh, because a, a great bystander was around said, I'll help you push that thing. And that was the first time I pushed start my car and I was able to make it home, you know, without needing a tow truck. So there's like, there's, there is a lot of benefits to it. 
Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those benefits, um, we kind of oversell for nostalgia's sake. The, 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 <laughs> right. the push start is 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 maybe one that, that does remain. I mean, there's a lot of people like, oh, you get better gas mileage. Once true, not anymore. It's cheaper to maintain. Not really anymore. Uh, it's cheaper to buy or manufacture. You know, that's also kind of not true because of the small numbers. Uh, so, so some of the things that were once benefits um, have ceased to be, but our feeling about them, which isn't necessarily about those features, but kind of about the holistic thing, you know, the whole thing of driving this apparatus, that that remains. Um, and there are just, you know, fewer people who have the the connection uh, to the manual that that you and I do. Um, and so they don't feel that anymore. So it's not really a loss right. for a lot of folks. Um, when I go to valet my car these days, if I'm going to a restaurant or something, I can't tell how many times I just have to park it. Like I can't drive it. And, <laughs> and you know, if, if what you do for a job is parking cars, is driving cars, and it's kind of not necessary, that tells you something uh, about about where it's situated, where the stick is situated culturally. Right. And so, okay, so the the you know final word on this: where are we going? Because we're seeing car companies. You men- mentioned Mercedes Benz is planning to retire manuals entirely by the end of next year. There was a uh, Save the Manuals campaign. This was t- eleven yeah. years ago now, but it's, it's all going to happen very soon. It seems like. Yeah. And, and remember, like we're talking about new car manufacture, all those cars that are still on the road, um, you know, they'll, they'll live their lives and, until they get junked. And, um, but you know, the used car market, which is really difficult these days, kind of in the pandemic and the post pandemic circumstances, there's still not that many being sold. You know, maybe that's because people are holding on to them or maybe they, you know, they've, they've just kind of not made their way into the, into the secondary market. One other thing that I didn't get to talk about in the article that, that some people are hopeful for is the possibility of uh, multi-gear uh, electric vehicles. There are some manufacturers uh, that have a, a, like a two-speed uh, electric motor, um, Audi, uh, Porsche in certain circumstances. But even if that comes to pass, they're going to be uh, computer controlled. You know, it's going right. to be more like um, uh, today's uh, button operated uh, automatic uh, 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 shifters. Ian Bogost, contributing writer at The Atlantic. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. That's it for this weekend. Be sure to check out The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter, and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive has been engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.